Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. We'd like to teach this evening on being connected to God, Colossians chapter 3. And the theme we would like to use for Colossians chapter 3, so it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So it's kind of halfway through the New Testament. So if you're there, we would like to use kind of a, a theme of, of, of using the app. Using the app for Colossians chapter 3. And we're all familiar with apps, right? On your phone, those little squares. You download them. Well, it's good to download them, okay? But have you ever downloaded an app and not used it? Well, we want you to download the app, but to use the app. So Colossians chapter 3, using the app. I heard there's a free dating app for bald people. No? Have you heard of it? It's for bald people. But it's free. You don't have to pay. Uh. <laughs> That's awful, isn't it? <laughs> so talking about God is good, but practicing God is better. And I've met people through the years and I'll see them in church and then I won't see them for some years and then I see them again. And a question that I've heard is, are you still preaching? They'll ask me, are you still proclaiming God's word? What were they saying? Are you still using the app? Are you still doing the things that you preached about. And really, that is exactly what this uh, book is about. Hello, brother. Hello. Hey, Lou. It is about practicing our Christianity. In the first book after the Gospels, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you've got the app, right? It's the book of Acts, right? It's the Acts of the Holy Ghost. And it's when the church came alive and began to act like Christians. And it's much that in Acts chapter 11 in verse 26, Paul went to this church for a whole year. And then it says, and the disciples were called Christians first in a place called, it's in Turkey now, Antakya, but they translated here as Antioch. Why? Well, you see in pagan religions and in, in a lot of religious beliefs, what you believed had no direct relationship on how you behaved. You would take, and there's a lot of religions around the world, you take these offerings and you go and you lay them down before some statue or some idol. Um, and they're all shapes, forms, and fashions. Um, and then you go back to the same old life of sin. And Christianity was not that way. And I know that some people like to live that way. Someone told me a story of a drug dealer who paid tithe on his drug deal profits. That's not what God is looking for, okay? God wants us to have a new life. He doesn't want an offering from our old life. But, so let's, let's uh, 
Christianity, and that's what we want to look, we want to connect the belief, which is that app software, right, with the behavior. So the software, we want to use that software that's downloaded from heaven in our daily life to introduce Colossians chapter 3 using the app. I saw this church sign, it was somewhere on the west side, and my wife, I think, saw it too, but it said, how you live is what you believe. The rest is all just religious talk. And so that's what Paul is dealing with. So the first verses one to four, and I know that we're all growing in everything, but that is the real mark of Christianity is that people walk the walk of God. And verses one to four, how to stay connected. We're talking about being connected to God. How to stay connected to heavenly things. Verse one, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitteth on the right hand of God. Well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God gives us a different perspective when we become a Christian. I went to this uh, restaurant called Buca de Beppo. It's an Italian place, and we were late. Have you ever been late? You had a reservation, but you're late. And so I was there with, we were there with the Garcias, and they said, well, we gave your table away, but we have a table in the kitchen. And I was like, I know about the table near the bathroom because I've been sat at that table. Has anyone ever been sat at that table? Like, thanks, you don't want us to come back. Put us right next to the bathroom. Everyone's like opening and shutting the bathroom door. Well, they said they have one in the kitchen. And I'm thinking, is this like the penalty table? I mean, really? And it's in the kitchen. They walk you inside the kitchen. And you step up and it's raised up. So it's like about as high as, you know, two or three feet up. You step up and it's like a booth. And... I didn't know much about that restaurant, but everybody who comes to that restaurant walks through the kitchen. Okay, everybody does. But there's only one table there, and it's like the table of honor. And so before they brought the food out, they would bring it to our table and say, I'm bringing this out to the restaurant, and they would explain the food. The waiters were joke to the people walking in that we were the owners. He's like, these are our owners, and we just wave, yeah, hello, hello. Well... You know, it's it interesting because our perspective changed when we realized it wasn't a junky place. It was actually a place of honor. You know, and really, so a preacher, how do I change my affections? God's got to take you and put you in a different place. When we're, we're in a different place, then our affections will be in a different place. And that's what Jesus does when he saves us. And so many times it's not about struggling to pray. It's say, God... Take my heart and put it in the right place. And that's what salvation does. Where praying becomes a blessing. Reading your Bible becomes a blessing. Why? Because of our affections. You know, no, not many people say, you know, I couldn't just, couldn't get enough push-ups today. It was awesome. I got like 4,000. Why? Because our affection, after about three, you don't want to do them anymore, right? <laughs> or two, you know, with your knees off the ground. One, with your, with your knees on the ground. Five, you know, but... When our affections change, we look for an excuse to do something. And the Bible said, set your affection on things which are above, not on things which are on the earth. Someone said this. So 
Life is what you are alive to. That's where our affections are. And I know, because I've talked to people. If you talk to little kids and you mention happy meals, kids are like, whoa, happy meal. Like, if, if I told my daughter, like, maybe we'll go to McDonald's, she'll remind me. Dad, you said maybe. I mean, it's on their mind. Oh, a teenager, you know, the newest cell phone or that someone. You know, you talk about that someone. And the teenager, like, lights up. You know, that's like they're alive. Well, what about an adult? Well, I don't know, a football team. You see someone come alive. The Jaguars, they're going to do it, right? Or uh, a car or like a certain day, like Friday, you know, like Friday. And they're just like excited, right? They're alive. Well, Paul said for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So his affection was Jesus Christ. There was something exciting about being a Christian. And you know that when, when you come alive in Jesus Christ and people begin to talk about Jesus, you're like, wait, I know something about that. I, I, want, I want more of Jesus because Jesus is real in my life. The Bible said, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. See, God gives us security in Christ, but he also gives us satisfaction. We're dead and our life is the devil can't find us. And I'm so thankful that God hides us so well. He cast our sins, not behind our back, because then you can turn around, but he cast his sins behind, our sins behind his back. And you ain't getting around God. He'll block you, okay? God will block you. And sometimes he does. When you need to go think back of those old things, God doesn't want you to live in the past. God wants you to live now and in the future, forgetting those things which are behind um, keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, there was a, uh, an illustration of these sisters, not Christian sisters, but blood sisters. They went to these wild parties, right? And, uh, then, uh, they downloaded Christ. I'm just using that, you know, spiritually. They downloaded the Jesus Christ app into their heart. And, uh, they gave an RSVP to a, one of these wild parties for a particular party, they said, we regret we cannot come because we recently died. <laughs> what were they saying? That we are no longer those people anymore. And brethren, when I got saved, it's going to make for some awkward situations because people are going to say, hey, do you want to go do that? There was a man, and I think it may have been a man in, in, in I don't remember if it's a man in China, but so he is a Christian. And some men were on this train. This is an old illustration. And they were gambling. They said, come on, let's play cards. Not Uno, okay, but they were gambling. And the man said, I can't gamble. I, I can't play. And they said, well, why not? He said, I don't have any hands. And they looked at him. Of course he had hands, right? What were they saying? My hands don't belong to me anymore. They belong to Jesus. And you know that when you say that, there is a real freedom. And people will mock you and make fun of you. And then they'll admire you because you know what? They want that freedom too. There is a freedom in being a Christian. Uh, this one uh, guy talked about these kooky Christians. And you know what? We are kooky to the world, but that's okay. I'm free. And that's why they begin to call them Christians like little Jesus is running around. And uh, say, preacher, do you think you're so good? No, I think God's so good. <laughs> I think God's so good. When Christ, verse four, who is our life, that's quite a, that's quite a, uh, a statement. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. You know, some people think eternal life is, you know, 
I was watching a clip from uh, was it Indiana Jones and the uh, the one where he looking for the Holy Grail, and this guy drinks from this chalice. There's no there's no Holy Grail in the Bible that I read about. But anyway, so it's the chalice that Jesus drank from in the Last Supper, and he goes and dips it in water, and I'm thinking. They didn't drink water. They drank wine. But anyway, so, and he drinks it and he's expecting this eternal life, you know, to get eternal life. That's absolutely not biblical, okay? But eternal life isn't a feeling. It's not like, you know, uh, glitter in your soul. Like, you know, that glitter comes out like a glitter bomb or like, uh, you know, marshmallows, like spiritual marshmallows in your Lucky Charms. Like, whoa, extra marshmallows. Eternal life is not a feeling. It's Jesus Christ. That is what eternal life is. Christ in you is eternal life. And the Bible says he, it's in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. Just that simple. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's that simple. That's eternal life. And when we come to the house of God, we, we reflect many times. It only takes a second to get saved. But brethren, there's a lot of times in my life where like, you know what? I make decisions. I say, I'm going to break with Jesus because you have this opportunity to go this way. It's like, no, I'm going to stick with Jesus. And the times in my life where I've made the wrong turn, I realized I don't want to be on this road. <laughs> and you just hop back. Have you ever made a wrong turn before driving? And you're like, where are we? It's usually when I'm driving. My wife knows where she's going, but I'm like driving and I'm like, don't even know where I am. And you just took one wrong turn and it leads you into like complete confusion, right? When you're driving and you just get back, you, you reset that, you know, the map quest and you take a legal U-turn or whatever and you turn around and go back into the right place, right? Okay, verse, so verses five to 10, we need to disconnect from the earthly you know, and that's really our, you know, sin can be boiled down, and I'll, I'll get to this in a second, but just to me, that's all sin is. There was one pickpocket uh, in England. Uh, so in, in old days in England, you'd get your right hand cut off. If you were pickpocketing, they'd cut it off. If you kept pickpocketing, you know what they do? Cut your other hand off, right? They still do it, I think, in Iran. They cut your hand off, right? So this pickpocket, what was he doing? He continued his trade. He lost both hands. He continued his trade with his, his teeth. <laughs> he still used, hello, God bless you. He still kept going. Why? Because he has a desire to continue, which was through his heart, not his hands. The Bible says, and we're in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, mortify therefore your members. It's not, doesn't mean your church members. It means your body parts, okay? That's what it's talking about. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And we've got some big words here, but I'll see if I can explain them. Fornication, that's sex outside of marriage. God only allowed, and this isn't me being a fuddy-duddy. God made sex to enjoy. He just made it to enjoy within a relationship of marriage, Okay. So he said, they said, mortify your members which are upon the earth. So kill these things in your life. Uncleanness, which can mean a lot of things, either perversion or homosexuality. Inordinate affection, which means out of control passions. You know, like wild parties and different things. 
This is in the Bible? It is. Evil concupiscence. That means a longing. You ever get a longing? I get a longing. But it's not evil concupiscence. It's pizza concupiscence. I begin to get a longing for pizza every, almost every day, about 10 p.m., okay? (laughs) Concupiscence is just a longing. It's a desire, okay? But evil concupiscence, and if I've said it wrong 15 times, I apologize. It's just not what I use in my daily talking, okay? But it means just a desire for. Now, an evil desire, it's a desire for the wrong things. That, that's, and brethren, I've had thoughts come into my head that they're not Christian. And just, what do you do? Well, a bird can fly over your head, but you don't let to have the bird make a nest in your head. You don't have to develop that appetite. So... By the grace of God, God gives us grace, doesn't he? Where we can say, whoa, wait, I want to build that appetite, you know? Because, uh, and then, uh, let's see, did I miss one? Covetousness. Covetousness is just uh, like an excessive desire uh, for for something. Um, And it says it's idolatry. And it can get you to do all kinds of things that you don't want to get wrapped up in. But the, the Bible said, for which things sake the wrath of god verse 6 cometh on the children of disobedience in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them isn't it crazy how you can just like just kind of experiment with things and then all of a sudden you find yourself living in them and you know that the same thing we don't want to accidentally become a christian we want to say you know god come into my life i want to live as a christian I lived the way that many people live. That's the way I used to live. But when I became a Christian, honestly, I didn't know what happened when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I thought it was just a prayer and I was going to go home. But here's the problem. Jesus went home with me. And everything I did, Jesus was like, yep, nope, yep, nope, yep. It was like, what in the world? I'm just listening to the police. Now, there's nothing wrong with listening to the police. And I'm not talking about the guys with the lights, but I'm talking about the band and if I'm old, okay? There's nothing wrong, but, but God just changed my heart to where I'm like, what is this all about? God gave me a desire for something else. Not just the guy. I mean, look, some of those songs, listen to the lyrics. Every breath you take, every move you make, he's a stalker, man. I mean, here I am singing, every breath you take, ooh, every move you make. It's weird, man. And I would be, li- I'd be singing it. And then I'm like, God's like, what are you even singing? Another song I used to like was called Secret Lover. And it's got a great, you know, secret love. It's about someone cheating on their wife. I'm like, but these were the top 40 songs. And I used to sing, look, I mean, that's, what, that's what I used to hear on the radio. And I used to, I couldn't even tell you who sang that song. You know who sings Secret Lover? I mean, it's from like the 80s, okay? If you've never heard of it, don't look it up. Save your time, all right? <laughs> But I, I, when, God, when God saved me, he gave me a different desire to hear different things. Because, you know, music is powerful because it can work us up into, you know, uh, extreme emotions. And, and I, I, I was there. I was the Metallica for the highs and lows and all these other things, blasting it. But Jesus gave me freedom in my heart. And I began to find other things that talked about forgiveness and love and power and faith. And so it, took, it wasn't overnight. But, you know, here's the thing. Jesus will come home with you if you invite him in and just watch what he does. And it's Jesus, not the preacher, it's Jesus. So the Bible says in verse eight, but now ye put off all these 
anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So we're talking about disconnecting from the old app. This is using the app in this chapter. So it's interesting. If you look at anger, it means like an excited mind. And then wrath comes from thumos, which means breathing hard. Like, so, you know, you get angry, you start thinking about something, and then you've known because you've seen people do this. You can see they get like, their, their eye starts twitching, and then they start. That's what wrath is. It's thumos. They begin to breathe. And then malice, this ill will towards someone, like hatred. You want to kill them. You want to injure them. That's what malice is. But then what happens? It pops, right? Blasphemy means it just starts to come out. I mean, it's not contained anymore. And then filthy communication comes out. It's like building up the wrong steam. And those old pots that you made tea with, and you go, they begin to whistle. That's exactly, and you've seen it in cartoons, right, where the people get red, and then they explode on the top of their heads. Well, I'm thankful that, that as a Christian, and I, you can flip this on its head, you can build up the right steam in God. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, Be not drunk with wine, we are in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, those are songs, and hymns, those are also songs, and spiritual songs. Every Brit, no, that's not a spiritual song. (laughs) Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then it says, giving thanks. See, now we've got not filthy communication, but we built up the right steam. And I've even been cut off before in traffic. And you just wave at someone and say, hey, bless you. Why? Because you built up the right steam. They might need to go use the restroom. I, I tell my wife like that. Let them go. They might need to use the restroom. Just let them go. It's not personal. And if it was personal... Don't let them live rent-free in your head, okay? Let, let, let it go like Elsa, right? Let it go. Just, and just let them be who they're going to be. And let, let God be in you who you're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to do. So, um, verse 10. The right connection. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You know, I'm thankful even in Timothy, it says we're stir up the gift of God that is within us. Life is kind of like a continuous thing. And God wants to uh, stir us up with the right things. The Bible simply says that God, that we're to put on the new man. The new man is Jesus Christ. And when we put on Jesus Christ, he'll renew us. He'll give us a new way of looking at things. And you know what? Sometimes he'll give us the opportunity to give someone grace, especially if they're not a Christian Brethren, give them grace. They might just be testing you to see how you react when they call you a name, like a dirty name. Look, it's just a dirty name, okay? I've been called all kinds of things. Don't take it personally. Really, don't take it personally. And uh, it's actually a blessing. If someone like cusses you out, it's like, oh, I joined the ranks, right? They cussed out all kinds of people in the past, right? And... Uh, If you remember not being a Christian, maybe you did some of that stuff too. So give them a break, okay? When there is, where there, verse 11, is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. I like that. He just just jumbles everybody into one pot in Christ. 
And really, we're all unified. If you look around, people look different, have different accents. And I think that our church has one of the most awesome potlucks because you get, you know, food from all over the world, right? And not everybody likes everything. But uh, I get the leftovers sometimes, so they're great. I mean, some of the sometimes. And uh, so we thank God for leftovers. But the Bible says put on. So it's talking about adding to our lives. But what we add is important, okay? Put on, therefore, at verse 12 of Colossians 3, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Listen, bowels of mercies. Mercies. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness and long-suffering. If you want to change your life, change your house. Don't go worry about your neighbor. Go change your house. It says, forbearing one another. You know, it's easier to forgive a stranger than it is to forgive your husband or wife. It's true. Why? It's harder to forgive people you know better. It just is. A parent, uh, you know, an uncle, an aunt, someone. It's hard to forgive. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, then use Proverbs 3.57, right? He that shooteth first and asketh questions later. No, it doesn't say that. It says, if you have a quarrel, as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Just forgive them. Why? They don't deserve it. It didn't say because they deserved it, did it? It says, did you deserve it? I didn't deserve it. When someone explained that all I had to do was invite Christ in to my heart, I didn't deserve forgiveness, but it was offered and I accepted. And you know what? When you offer them forgiveness, they can accept it or not, but we offer them because Christ forgave us. It's a wonderful opportunity to change the world. Start with your house. Start with your house. Forgive. You ever seen someone go by and then there's a a wonderful smell, like they have cologne on or a lady has perfume on and it's just like, wow, that's nice. Well, you know, when a Christian goes by, I'm not talking about wearing cologne, okay? But our attitude, our spirit, it should go behind us. There's something about that guy, something about that lady. They're forgiving and, and they're joyful. And it's just like a spiritual cologne, right? Some people need that. Some people need to spray them with it. <laughs> spray them with the sweet spirit spray. Like, they need it. They hit them, right? But the Bible, <laughs> the Bible said, above all these things, put on is charity, the name of the Christian cologne. It's love, right? which is the bond of perfectness. It is the bond that holds us together. What? Love. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And now this word rule, it's like an umpire calling safe, or calling foul, or calling strike. And the peace of God is like an umpire. So if you're thinking of doing something in your life, and I've shared this before, but this will be a real blessing. If you don't have the peace of God about it and everything else lines up, I wouldn't do it. Because it says, let the peace of God be your guide in the decision. Sometimes it does, the Bible doesn't tell you everything that you should do. But the peace of God will be that that umpire that said, you know what? Even people are making fun of me, but God give me peace about this. Well, guess what? I do it. And if God didn't give me peace about it and everyone else says to do it and the numbers look right and everyone's saying it's a good deal, I'd really pray about that. Why? Because I want the peace of God to rule in my heart. You're guided by that way of peace. He's the prince of 
Not love. He's the prince of peace, right? That's what it prophesied in Isaiah. Let the word of Christ, and that's how you do it. Let the word of Christ, read your Bible. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing. Admonishing is a, is a word that you might not hear. It's to correct. But you know what? If, if you have a brother or sister that you really love, and you have to do it in love because otherwise they won't listen to you. But um, it says, admonish in one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's a loving correction when you care about someone. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. There was this brother, he said, uh, now I'm a preacher, he was a preacher, and he had a day job. And he was talking, he's married too. It's years ago, you don't know who I'm talking about, it's not the way I talk. So he said, I'm just going to go to lunch with this, business lunch with this lady. You know, just me and this lady. And I said, praise God, brother. Hope she's pretty. No, I didn't say that. I said, brother, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh. Yeah, and then he, he never went, right? But what, what, what did you do, preacher? I was admonishing him saying, brother, I don't think if it's just those two of you, you know, things happen and different things. And you know what? He's a grown up. He could have done, what were you doing? Admonishing him in love because I didn't want something to get out of hand. Say, preacher, nothing does. Read the news. It's all over the place, okay? We don't need one more, okay? But that's what brothers do. Brothers care about one another. And I was in a place to do it. Don't just go rebuking people around all over. The world has enough of that too, so. Um, but let the, the Bible said, speaking in psalms and hymns, and I'm about out of time. But I was at Walmart checking out one time, and I was whistling. I was, uh, I think it was Glory to His Name, which is an old-fashioned hymn. And this lady in front of me, she, looked, she turned around, and she said, glory to his name. <laughs> well, she knew what I was whistling. And I thought, you know, as I was whistling, she was listening to the words. Down at the cross where my Savior died. And down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. And you know that when we have songs are powerful in our hearts, when we can have these songs. So when you're going through the day, have the word of God in your heart, have the songs of God, have hymns and psalms in your heart. And it helps you get through the day. It's like the app. We're talking about that. I'm out of time. Can I go through these last three, six verses real quick? Okay. If you got to leave, I understand. This will be like, see if I, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him, having a purpose for our life. Verse 18 to 21, the family plan. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. My wife's dad was a strong man. My mom is a strong woman. She takes after her dad. I take after my mom. There's some interesting conversations in my house, okay? Submission is not a dirty word, though. It's really like uh, in a football team, when they call a play, all of the guys who are bigger than the quarterback have to say, look, he called the play. We want to win, and we've got to make sure that we're all on the same page of music. So, and I don't, I don't berate. My wife has awesome ideas. If you're a husband, don't shut your wife down. She has so many awesome ideas, but uh, the team has to work together. We have to come to an agreement, and that's what submission is. And, and my wife isn't you know, someone who like walks around on her hands and knees, okay? She's, she's submissive, but... But man, I mean, sometimes, God knows, we, we have, we pray for one another, right? But it's awesome. It's awesome. And then it says, look, verse 19, husbands, be bitter towards your wives. Oh, no, oh, no it doesn't say that. It says, husbands, love your wives. It says, be not. What? 
bitter against them. Each wife. One husband, one wife. Yeah. Yeah. To your wife. Right. You shouldn't be bitter to anyone else's wife, but love your wife. That's what it's saying. Because if a woman thinks that you're mad at her, it shuts her down. And if you get extra angry at her, she withers like a flower. You know, like those old flowers. You went on vacation, you came back, and they're all gray, and they're all... I know, because I've said something to my wife, and I, she goes, why are you yelling? And I said, honey, I'm not yelling. But, like, my tone was yelling. Right, my tone. So, <sighs> but, you know, if your wife doesn't get it, don't get bitter towards her. If she doesn't immediately come around, it takes my wife a little time to process, processing, processing. You know that little um, hourglass? It's spinning, spinning, spinning. And I want right now, honey. So it doesn't work that way. So you got to love her and not be bitter. Really, really. This is, this is real. I'm talking, this is real stuff here. And then it says, children, obey your parents in all things. God would be a different world, right? For kids. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Really, if kids learn to obey their parents, then they'll obey their teacher. Then they'll obey their, the cop. Then they won't have to call the cops. I mean, disobedience really, you know what it's for? Parents are supposed to teach their children to obey them so that they can hook them up to God. They're really training them to obey God. And if you obey God, you're not going to have to have a lot of these other things come into your life. I've never had to call the cops to my house because my wife and I were disagreeing about her being submissive. You know, never happened. So we save a lot of taxpayer money, okay? It really works. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Don't press the kid's button. We all know our kid's buttons, right? That was easy. What was that Staples? That big, that big red button? They get discouraged. The kids have a hard time, okay? There's a lot of pressures for kids now. But, but don't provoke them. And it says fathers. Don't provoke your kids to anger. I know. I have a little daughter. That's easy to do too. Haven't done this perfectly. I don't think I got an A+, plus, but I'm aware of the word of God. Verses 22 to 25. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Again, the purpose of God. Even if they were a slave back in those days, they weren't treated right. Knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done and there is no respect of persons. Have you ever heard of poetic justice? Poetic justice? Okay, poetic justice is a concept that virtue or doing right will be rewarded. And that doing wrong will be punished. They call it poetic justice or poetic irony. I'm not talking about the movie with uh, Janet Jackson. I'm not talking about that. Poetic justice is a concept. Well, there's a God who does reward virtue. And he does punish wrongdoing. Remember a man named Haman? He built this big gallows, which is, you know, to hang this man named Mordecai. What happened? He got hung on it. And you know that poetic justice, what it really does is it implies that there is an intelligent, divine God, not only for punishment. And brethren, I'm not trying to end off on punishment, but the Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth or plants, that shall he also reap. If we plant good things, guess what? If you're merciful, you're going to reap mercy. But I did it and my boss is not merciful. It didn't say you're going to get it from your boss, but God's going to make sure 
because he's the one who has the justice. It's poetic justice. God will make it. Like a poetry has a rhyme and, and, and a reason to it, there is a reason in justice. And God, well, what about Job? Job suffered and he didn't do anything wrong. Did you read the end? Twice as much. There was poetic justice. You just have to keep reading. And God will bless our efforts in him. He really will. So put the right things in. And you know what? God will bring the right things out. So I, man, I owe some people six minutes. So I'm going to like send you all six extra minutes for your day. So anyway, let's, let's dismiss in prayer. Father, I pray that, that we would be cognizant of you. Help us to use the app, that app being Jesus Christ. Help us to walk with you, God, and to get our hearts full of you. And Lord, I pray, pray that you would bless those efforts in you. Bless those right actions. And God, show answers to prayer. And God, justify yourself and show it through your people in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.